So today we also have the incredible privilege of hearing from the Paris team that has just come back over the last week. Um, Tom and Bonnie arrived back yesterday. Jen is still in Europe uh, with her sister, but if you guys want to come on up, um, and we're going to hear a little bit more this morning about what God is up to in Paris. Here you go, Tim. Welcome. This is Tom and Body Wizink. If um, some of you are unfamiliar with them, this is Tim, our youth director. And there's a couple more people on the team too. Linneo, his wife went along, and Holly Mullen and Jen Ashby, where you'll see a picture of the team a little bit later. But they just spent some time in Paris with some international workers with the line. So tell us a little bit, Tim, kind of a general overview of what you did in Paris. Uh, bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue et Sorry, I had to switch back to English. Um, <laughs> I told you I'd get more than three laughs. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, so uh, as he said, my name is Tim. Um, thank you guys for coming out. Uh, our time in Paris was, was incredible. Um, it's always a little hard to say, like I'm going on a mission trip to Paris. Everyone's like, no, you're going on vacation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so while we did see some pretty incredible sights and stuff like that. Um, we also got to see God work in some pretty amazing ways um, and work uh, through some people and in some people's lives and stuff. And so we just wanted to take a little moment and share a little bit about uh, our time there. Um, so as, as I said, we got to see some pretty, pretty amazing sights. Um, uh, but a lot of our time too, when we first got there, we got there pretty early, like six, six thirty uh, AM on Friday. Um, and, to try and help fight jet lag, we just went right into the day and, and worked kind of all day long and, and walked around and stuff. And so the first place, one of the first places we went, uh, we got to walk through some villages and up some hills and, mm. and up a whole lot of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and made Breaking a, that knee replacement, right, right, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we made our way to um, this chapel. It's Sacred Heart uh, Chapel. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful building, uh, mm. beautiful inside and out. Um, so when you're standing here looking at the, at the church and you turn around, um, you see the entire, almost the entire city of Paris. Mm. Uh, and so we just kind of felt led as a team to, to sit down and, um, especially spending our first, you know, hours in Paris, uh, coming to see this site. Um, we just decided to pray over the city and that God would, would show up in a big way while we were there and, uh, and just be praying for the people of Paris, um, Paris is known as the city of lights, um, but it's a it's a pretty dark spiritual place. Um, there's less than one percent uh, of the population that know Jesus Christ, and mm. um, and faith in general is a really hard thing to talk about. Uh, it's a very personal thing. It's more socially acceptable to talk about uh, the person you're having an affair with than it is to talk about your faith and what mm. what it is that you believe. So that's mm. it's it's really hard. Um, and then for uh, for the church there, um, their goal right now uh, for the church in Paris is to have one church in Paris for every 10,000 people. Uh, and currently, it's ab- about one for every 250,000 people. So mm. um, there's still a lot of wow. movement they hope to see happen. And we spent a lot of our days um, uh, meeting with the uh, workers who are there on the field and, and living there and, and working and, and hearing their stories and how they came to Paris and how God has worked in their lives uh, individually. 
Um, and we also got to hear some pretty great stories of uh, locals who, um, you know, Jesus has changed their heart mm. or is actively changing their heart. And, mm. you know, there are some, we'll hear about some a little later, but uh, some who uh, haven't quite made that step yet, but we still got to hear from them and, and how. And then we spent uh, other times in uh, conversation cafes uh, that kind of look a little bit like this, mm. um, where it's just English conversation because a lot of people there want to learn English and, and want to use it. And so um, it's not an area where they teach English. It's simply just come, here's a topic we can talk about, and we talk about it in, in English, and, mm. and everyone, you know, is in different levels of their English, and so um, we kind of help out and, and just uh, make connections, and the, the biggest ministry that's going on there is mm. uh, making connections, building relationships, and living out the gospel. So. Mm. Thanks for that little overview of that, because it's a little picture that it just wasn't missionary tourism, but we were actually on the ground doing some great work. Um, I'd love to hear a couple highlights of where you saw God at work throughout the week. Um, For me, being my first missions trip ever, I was really curious how the Alliance would go about tackling this problem, if you will, that, that Tim just talked about of trying to form more churches in a country that is really not governmentally, but uh, I guess culturally opposed to uh, the church. It's what it it felt like to me. And I was very impressed with what the Alliance is doing, the different uh, avenues that they're trying to attack this, um, of bringing the message of Christ through what Dan and Lisa, who some of us know from First Alliance, are doing relative to trying to start churches and how that's working. Uh, from a couple that are there to mentor and develop church lay church leaders. Uh, they have about 40-some students in the class right now uh, that are for all these different churches around the area mm-hmm. that they're training the lay leaders. And then from the things we see on the screen here, there's two different venues in Paris where they're reaching out through conversational English, several other kinds of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are starting to gain a lot of traction with a lot of people involved. Uh, So I was very impressed with how the Alliance is going about doing that. And and the money that we Mm. invest in the Great Commission Fund and to Envision is actually making this happen. And I I just was really moved by that in a city, as we've heard, who's not real open to the gospel. Uh, Mm. I'm pretty excited about the fact that we could be involved and maybe even partner with them to help make this happen. Yeah, Tom just mentioned two things, the Great Commission Fund and Envision. The Great Commission Fund is how all our international workers are funded through the Alliance, and we as a church have a missions fund that 90% of that goes towards Alliance work. So most of that is to the Great Commission Fund, but other Alliance work like Envision. Envision is the short-term missions arm of the Alliance. That's where a lot of um, younger people go out to serve both for a week or two weeks, or maybe even a longer internship, but also they'd send out teams of all ages. So in a sense, this team went through Envision to go out. So just to kind of tell you a little bit about terminology, so if you're getting lost with some of those things. Now, any stories uh, coming back with different stories of how God has been at work? Um. I know you talked a little bit about children. Yeah. I snuck off to the children's department while I was there. <laughs> That's where I belong. And um, uh, kids are kids, 
No matter what language they speak. <laughs> There's the, you know, the one whose hand goes up first and the one that plays with the little rattly thing underneath the table to keep <laughs> it from falling apart. And My kids weren't there, were they? Two kids fell off their chair and... and um, and, and, but it was fun to, to be with the kids. And um, I, I actually got them to say their memory verse. Uh, and this was in the French church. And they spoke French, and I do not. And, um, uh, but, this, of course, the one girl held her hand up real high, and she rattled off the verse, and the teacher said, bon, and, you know. Another girl was struggling. And at the end, the teacher said, bon. And I knew that she had said it, so I high-fived her, and I took her picture. Then everybody else <laughs> wanted to have their picture taken, so everybody, um, everybody said their, their Bible verse that day, and so that mm. was kind of fun for me. That's neat. Um, I'm going to share two stories. One about trying to teach English, which I'm not a teacher of the English language, that's for sure. Um, one of the guys who I assume was an engineer based on the question, so I kind of tried to help get the answer, and he was trying to figure out how to say the plural of the word apex. Now, I don't think I've ever used in my whole <laughs> life the plural of the word apex, and it's kind of like the plural of the word matrix, which is matrices, uh, apices, I think, is the way you pronounce it. Never used any of those words. <laughs> so, never used them. I think I know why you'd use them, but you have to be an engineer really to do that. Anyway, so that was kind of fun, and, and we were doing some couple of people trying to help in French, and we finally got through it all. Um, the other story was the one about the church when we were up on the hill. Um, apparently, when they were planning our trip coming, mm. Dan, of Dan and Lisa, who were there, felt it would be important for us to go to that church and pray for the city before we start. But they decided as a team not to make us do that. Turns out we did that on our own. That was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, for me, just one of the biggest things was being able to hear uh, the stories of uh, the people who are there, both international workers and locals, and just how God is is working in their lives and, and how he's changed their lives. And, um, yeah, there's there's so many. There's one uh, gentleman we heard, I, I'm probably past the, the video, but um, his name was Mally. He was from Ireland. Um, he's an Irish guy and, and now living in, married and living in Paris. And um, it was incredible to hear his background just coming from, uh, drugs and alcohol and addiction and all this stuff. And um, when he's in Paris, there he there is. is. Pretty epic beard. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was through a running app. Uh, the guy does multi, uh, ultra marathons all the time and just runs for fun because he's weird. Um, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but... Uh, but it was through a running app that he just realized he hadn't made many connections yet. And so there's some app that you get on and made connections with uh, one of our uh, international workers who used to be there, Tim Meyer, um, who's now back here in the States and is running Envision. Um, 
and made a connection with Tim Meyer and, and they just became friends and, and simply through Tim just living out the gospel uh, was able to create a relationship with him and, and Mally's big, uh, well, to say where he is now, he's now the uh, intern pastor at one of the international churches in Paris uh, at Trinity. And so um, his theology and philosophy now for ministry is really simple. It's show up and be a good dude. Like those are, that's, that's it. Those are the two things you need. Obviously there is more that comes into it, but when it, when it melts down to it, you just need to show up, just be consistent and then just be a good dude. Just live out what it is that we believe, uh, and, and what it is that we preach. And, and it's living that lifestyle that's going to speak more into the lives of the French and and Parisians than, than necessarily getting up and, um, and, and preaching about Mm. it. So that's great. So I know that all of you are just arriving back within the last week, uh, but any takeaways or anything that you're saying, here's something that I'm bringing back with me that I can potentially apply here or that God has done within me. Paris is a really big place, um, square footage-wise, mile, is a, a huge place. And there are 2.2 million people living in Paris. Less than 1% are evangelical Christians. To give you kind of a visual of that, let's take everybody in this room you are not Christians, and we're the only Christians. That's about less than 10%. For me, I took away that I need to pray for our workers. It's difficult being a Christian in Paris. There are no Christian radio stations. There are no... I tried looking for a cross to put hang in my house from France. I could not find one. Hmm. Um, there was no literature, no, you know, you can't turn on a, um, uh, a TV program that's got hmm. Robbie at night. Hmm. I mean, I, that's, I do that too. Um, so it's very, very difficult. And if I have a problem here in the States and, or a question about the Bible... Hmm. I have my expert that I go to, and he shows me the answer and tells me what I need to know. If there's only this in a whole room full of people, it's hard to, it's hard to get support, emotional support, spiritual support. And so it has taught me to pray, to intercede for mm. our workers. Yeah, and it's similar to, to my takeaway is that, again, as I said earlier, my first missions trip mm-hmm. and understanding what a challenge it is to be an international worker in an environment. Uh, I'm, I'm sure every, every field has its own kinds of specific deal, things to deal with. But in, in France, I just learned that praying for these four different couples and the interns that are there in a whole different way and how we as a church might end up partnering with them and supporting them uh, is a very important decision that if we decide to go that way, we really need to commit to that and work Mm. with them. 
because they value that kind of support mm. and it's very meaningful to them and, and I think helps motivate them and keep them going. It's mm. great. Yeah, and for, for me it was, uh, my biggest takeaway take was just the importance of community and the importance of relationships. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, in order to reach the people of Paris, you have to, you have to be able to just be in their friend zone, and that's not, um, not always easy. Um, as Americans, there's there's this uh, analogy given. As Americans, we're kind of like peaches, where on the outside we're pretty soft, uh, and you can you know get to know us, and we'll share stuff about our lives, but. As soon as you get to the like inner core and and the the deep stuff, we harden up. You know, once you hit that pit, like it's it's rock hard and and it's hard to to get in there. Um, Parisians and the and the French uh, are a little more like coconuts, uh, where it's really hard to break through uh, initially uh, and to to be in that friend zone and to be able to speak into someone's life. Uh, but once you break through that and once you get into that zone uh, with someone, they're just like liquid. Like they just pour everything out. And um, so it's the importance of being able to live out what it is that I read and, and, and think and um, preach and stuff like that. And so uh, this picture was at uh, the Luxembourg Gardens. We came here uh, for a picnic one day. And um, this is just a big reminder to me, the importance of community. And Tom had pointed this out when we were there during this day. Uh, if you could zoom in on, on all these little groups of people, um, it is such a good repre representation of how important community is to them. You will not find one person in this photo on a cell phone. There are groups of people, they're there having picnics, and there is one just off to the left that they're like having a birthday party for someone. Not one person is sitting there on their phone, but they are in community together. They are with each other, not only physically, but mentally and, um, as well. And so for me, it's, it's coming back to the States, how do I live that out on a daily basis with the people that I work with, the people uh, that I live next to, my neighbors, um, not only, you know, how do I just speak to them about the gospel, but more importantly, how do I live the gospel? So that way, when those opportunities for me to speak come, I have validity in, in the way that I live my life. And so that's great. Well, Tim, do you want to tell us how we could be praying for the Paris team? And then would you just be willing to pray for them? Right. Yeah. That? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this is, uh, for those of you who, who didn't know, this is the team, uh, of us that went, uh, over to Paris and um, France unfortunately has the repu uh, rep reputation uh, in the uh, international worker missionary community as a missionary graveyard. Um, it's where missionaries often go and it, when they come back they never go back out. Um, it's kind of where missionaries get burned um, because there's not a lot of fruit that you see. Um, and so it makes it hard for the people who are there and, and trying to continue to do the work. And so I think the biggest thing is, is prayer for the, the teams that are there long term um, and prayer for sustainability and, and continued encouragement. Um, we ask them, what's a, what's a way that you combat that? And uh, they try very hard in celebrating even the small things. 
uh, celebrating the fact that someone comes back again and again and again to the conversation class. Um, you know, that they're showing up and being there. Just celebrating the, smart, the small things gives them encouragement to, to continue on and get up each day and, and continue on with this work. Um, there are a couple ways. Uh, Lene and I had an opportunity to sit down with Tony and Rainey, who were the main people that we worked with while we were over there, and, and just ask what are ways that uh, we as a church might partner uh, with this field, and, and what would that look like? And um, three major things are prayer, uh, just continuous prayer, uh, there's financial need. Uh, there are a few uh, people there who are funded by the GCF or the Great Commission Fund. But the majority of that field raises their funds um, monthly, annually, um, but they, they are responsible for raising their own funds in order to be there and continue working and living. Um, and so that financial support to help them do that. Uh, and uh, lastly is consistency. Um, in in a team coming back consistently because the more consistency that, that they get, um, the more that the people that they're working with on a daily basis see the same faces over and over uh, speaks a lot to them as, as Parisians and as, as, as the French, um, just that consistency. One thing they asked us not to do is promise anyone that we're coming back because we don't know that for sure. Uh, we could have every intention to and every desire to, but Something could happen, and we may not be able to return. But um, as a as a church, being consistent in our um, involvement with the field and whatever that may may look like, and so um, those are the ways that we um, we are praying towards and praying, uh, you know, that God would continue to encourage and and help support uh, the missionaries here. So, yeah, excellent. Father God, you are incredible. Um, you are amazing in the ways that you move and that culture doesn't matter to you and language doesn't matter to you. It's not a barrier for you. Um, it matters in the sense that it matters to the, the people who are in these cultures and speak these languages, but Lord, you are greater than culture. You are greater than language, um, and your heart is for your people. Uh, so Lord, I pray uh, that even today, um, as the Paris team is coming towards the end of their day, um, that you would give them rest this evening, um, that you would give them encouragement, continue to show them those small things that they can celebrate, continue, continue to give them that encouragement to uh, wake up each day and, and follow you, um, continue to give them that encouragement to live out your word and make these connections. Um, Lord, we pray your continued blessing over this field and blessing over the ministry of their, that team. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing, team. Yeah. And I look forward to uh, next week. They're going to be sharing at the Feast of Nations a bit more, so you'll have an opportunity to hear some more stories about how God is at work. With a few minutes that we have left, I just want to uh, talk about one verse and what it means to learn to follow. This is maybe a familiar verse to some of you, um, and if not, feel free to pull up the YouVersion app. We're on there. Also, there's notes in the seat back. But in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, when Jesus was right at the end of his time on earth, this was after his death, resurrection, and right before his ascension, he turned to his followers, his disciples, and said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And here's the big idea that I just want to hit briefly on. Who you follow determines your destination. It sounds pretty basic, but a lot of us don't think about this. Who you follow determines your destination. For those who are on social media, when you click on somebody's thing, it says follow. Yeah, and so you have followers that are potentially following you, and you're potentially following other people on social media. But who you follow is going to determine your destination, not necessarily on social media, but when you put all these things together, be it news, be it the books you read, the videos you watch, whatever else, as you put all these voices and influences together, whoever you're following is going to determine your destination. Now, Jesus, within Scripture, had followers. And as Christians, the word Christian means little Christ. And as Christians, we are called to be disciples or followers of Jesus. A disciple in the original language literally means a student or a follower. Somebody who is following in the footsteps of another. Jesus as a rabbi, as a religious teacher, had followers, but he didn't invite them into classroom. He invited them into life. He invited them into apprenticeship. He invited them to come along and actually follow some said so close that the dust of the rabbi would end up on his followers. So when we as Christians decide who we're going to follow... Right at the top of the list, we should be followers of Jesus because you become who, become like who you follow. You might not think you're becoming like the people you follow, but you are. I've been re-watching some sitcoms from the 90s, and I realize the more I watch them, the little idiosyncrasies within the sitcoms, I start coming out in my language and other things. I also have the beautiful responsibility of being a dad. And I recognize that my children are following me. And sometimes that's a beautiful thing as I look at all the positive qualities that come out of them. But then I see other things that are negative. And I can see that they're actually following my example. Because you become like who you follow. The people you are closest to influence you and you easily become like them in so many ways. So as Christians, if you're a Christian in here today, or if you're not a Christian, we're each making choices of who we follow. And for Christians, we should be choosing daily to simply follow Jesus. That we aren't following a religious system, we aren't looking at a book and saying, I'm following a set of rules and regulations, but we are literally following the person of Jesus every single day of our life. But it's a choice. You make a choice every single day who you're following. And if you don't take time and you don't invest in your relationship with Jesus before you know it, you will easily begin to follow other voices and other things in your life. Now Jesus actually lays it out in this passage of what it means to be a follower of him. He begins this passage in Matthew 28 and says, All authority has been given him. That he is the one in charge of everything. You might be happy with who's in political power or disappointed or ambivalent or whatever, but Scripture says that's not the person or people with the real power. The real one who has all authority, all power, is Jesus Christ. 
And he says, since I've been given all authority, I want you to do something. And he states, go. And that word go there means in your going. When you're going to work, when you're going to school, when you're going home, when you're going shopping, when you're going in all of life, I want you to do something. And what he says I want you to do is make disciples. He doesn't say discover disciples. He doesn't say magically disciples are going to spring up, that these followers are magically going to happen. He says, no, you as a disciple of Jesus, in your going, in your everyday life, wherever you go, begin to create and make disciples. So in other words, you have the responsibility to model what it looks like to follow Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, it says, in your going, make other disciples. You might be wondering, well, what does this look like? Well, Jesus gives us a couple parameters. He says, baptize people. But he tells tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality, that we have died and been buried with Christ in his death, and we have risen again to live a new life. Also, baptism is this concept of being fully immersed into something. And if you think about it, Jesus doesn't say, I want you to be baptized into my name alone. He says, I want you to be baptized into the name of the Father. We live in a fatherless society. There's so many people who grow up with no earthly fathers or even spiritual fathers. And Jesus says, become immersed in the life of the Father. Get to know the Father God. Be baptized into him. Then he says, be baptized into the Son, the one who gave up the riches and joys and perfection of heaven and came here, was born of a virgin, lived an incredible but painful life, died a criminal's death for us, and then rose again. Be immersed into the life of Christ and the example that he has set. And it also says, be immersed into the life of the Spirit. That the Spirit has come to empower us and give us the life that he has called us to live. That Jesus didn't say, go and make disciples on your own, but he said, go and make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. Next he says, teach them to obey everything I command you. So disciples should be people who are both learning And teaching others. And not just teaching others, but actually teaching them to obey. Francis Chan gave this example and he said, If I tell my daughter to go and clean her room, and she goes in her room and does nothing to clean up, and a half an hour later comes out and says, Dad, guess what? I memorized what you said. And dad goes, well, did you clean your room? No, 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 I didn't, no, no, I didn't. But I memorized what you said, and I memorized it in Greek and Hebrew. Does it really matter if we aren't actually doing what God has asked us to do? That's where obedience comes in. James says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And we as disciples, as followers of Jesus, need to be learning obedience and then teaching others to learn to obey too. That it's not simply knowing things, but walking in obedience. And finally, it says that Jesus says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That he has not left us to do this on our own. He has simply said, my presence will go with you. I will be with you, and you are called to follow me. That I've not left you, I'm here with you, and I will be with you always. 
And it simply comes back to this. Who you follow determines your destination. Who you follow determines your destination. So as followers of Christ, if you say you are a follower of Christ, are you truly following Jesus? And if not, a simple way to recalibrate is get into the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. Be immersed in the life of Jesus, and not just to learn here, but to say, this is how I'm supposed to live my life out. If you're not a follower of Christ, get into the four Gospels, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and explore who this Jesus is. Because unfortunately, sometimes the followers of Jesus don't look a lot like Jesus. And so we need to get back in and actually understand who this Jesus is and learn how to follow him beyond anybody else. Because ultimately, we're going to make choices throughout our life who we follow. And who we follow is going to determine our destination. All of life is learning to follow. And as believers in Christ, I would encourage you to follow Christ. And as you're following Christ, recognize his authority. Recognize in our going that we are called to make disciples. And a simple thing that we want to do this morning to encourage you forward with that, we've put up these names, and these are names that you have written on these boards months ago. And we're continuing to pray for these names. But if you look in your seat backs right now, you'll see these little cards in the little slot in there. And this is an opportunity for you to fresh anew, write down a name of somebody that you know that you would love to see begin to follow Jesus. Or maybe you write down three names. And we've been praying already, but what about taking a next step and saying, maybe God has called me to go and begin to create a disciple. To make a disciple by simply sharing my life. Living out the life of Christ. And when opportunities present themselves to tell about the faith that I have in Christ. I'd encourage you to take a moment and either write down the names that you wrote down months ago and commit to praying again, to commit to just pursuing and showing people the love of Christ and to see where it takes you. I believe as followers of Christ, we have an incredible God that we are able to follow. And he calls us to make other followers of Christ too. May we be stirred with passion to do that and become people who truly are disciples, who make disciples of others. Let's pray. Father God, you are a great God who loves us so much. And Lord, I think about the privilege that you've given us to invest in others. And first of all, it comes down to us learning to follow you afresh and new. All of life is learning. And God, I know that I need constant reminders of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And Lord, it's not just about me learning to follow, but helping others to follow too. Not just learning about you, but walking with you and obedience to you. And Father, we recognize that we need the empowerment of your spirit and your presence. We need you to intervene in our lives because if we try to do it on our own, it's just going to fail miserably. And Lord, I'm just reminded of even this team in Paris that are consistently living out relationally the life of Christ and trusting that through these long-term, faithful, obedient relationships that you will draw people to yourself. And may we be the same type of people here that live faithfully as followers of Jesus. 
that ultimately when we get to the end of our lives, we won't be surprised at our destination, but that we'll have intentionally worked towards the life that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.